0: that was my way of saying hallelujah. (laughs) The Isaiah text is familiar to you if you know anything about Handel's Messiah. And here it is. Comfort. Oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their consistency is like a flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to the mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the word of God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. And then our text today from the first chapter of Mark, the first verse. Remember that last week we changed seasons in the life of the church. We began Advent and having gone through Matthew, we now go to Mark in year B and we start at the beginning today. And it says, in the beginning of the good news, oh, sorry, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John, the baptizer, appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were, get, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins now John was clothed well, now creepy John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you like prequels? Prequels. It's become a hip thing now. You know, every good story now and every good movie story now has to have somebody come up with a prequel for how we got to the good story that we all loved in the first place. I understand that they are now coming out with a prequel called Wonka to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So no Gene Wilder, no creepy Johnny Depp. You know Johnny Depp was creepy in that movie. He was like stalking them kids. Right? No creepy Johnny Depp. Just... Hugh Grant as a, as a Oompa Loompa, which has got to be weird. And a kid who's Wonka, who on the street corners is giving out his candy to see if he can make it and develop a factory. The debate in my house is whether or not we even want to bother to see this movie. Prequels are weird. You know, we've got this great idea, this great story, and somehow we feel like we need to add more to it. The Wizard of Oz is a wonderful story. We all watched it as kids. We were all scared when the tornado came. Nobody liked the witch. They hopped on the yellow brick road, and there was a lion and a tin man and a somebody else straw man. And then Gregory Maguire decides, Prequel. I'll write about the lion, I'll write about the straw man, I'll write a book called Son of a Witch about her son, and I'll write a great book called Wicked, the prequel. If you haven't read the books, read them, especially if you like the musical. That might be the only prequel I like. And let me get to this text today, because speaking of prequels, here we go. Are you ready? The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. We should all be standing up going, yay! Can't wait to hear about Jesus Christ, this is so exciting. You know, I'm teaching a Bible study on Luke to the people of First Presbyterian Church in St. Clairsville, because they have no pastor. And today, by the way, I'm leaving you at your meal to go over there to their meal. Because they have no pastor. They have no shepherd. They're wandering around. And I noticed this very thing happens in Luke. And then I went back and looked. And it happens in all the Gospels. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Every one of them has something that says, Look, this Gospel is so exciting. You're going to hear about Jesus Christ. Hooray!" And then it goes on to say, as it was written in the prophet, i would sending a messenger ahead of you, and his name is John. That sentence is a prequel. I don't like no prequels. I want to hear about Jesus, and they're telling me about John. That's frustrating, isn't it? What is John doing in there? In a story about Jesus. And I started to think. Started to think. I'm getting impatient with the fact that the gospel texts start out with these kind of prequels about saying we're going to tell you about Jesus. And then they talk about something else. And I started to think I'm tired of that. I want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to wait. Jesus is coming in this text. I know that. And I don't want to. Oh. That's what Advent is, isn't it? Where we wait for the text and for Jesus to actually come. And we'll get there. All the Gospels, even Mark, which has no no birth narrative story of Jesus in it, gets to Jesus eventually. You just got to sit through the prequel to get there. I realized you know for years I've been preaching to people in Advent we wait so just be patient and wait and just wait and it will all be fine and wait and I thought I don't want to wait no wonder you want to sing Christmas carols today we ain't singing no Christmas carols today I snuck a couple in in the last couple couple weeks of Advent, but not today. We as human beings are not designed to wait. In our society, we are designed to get things instantaneously. I don't want to spend time with John the Baptist till I get to Jesus. So there has to be a reason why John is so important in the midst of this text. Mark is saying, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about Jesus. But first there was a man who prepared the way for Jesus. His name was John. He was kind of creepy. If he came into this church, he'd look twice. We'd have Jay or Chaz sweep up the seat after where he sat because he was sitting in fur. He ate bugs. Nobody got my joke about that, made him a vegetarian, but, you know, whatever, he ate bugs. And he proclaimed... Baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John is preparing the people to receive the Messiah by saying, if you want to receive the Messiah, you have to repent of your sins. You have to confess what you've done. And the part of that that John was missing is the part of that that we get in the real good story, which is if you repent of your sins, confess your sins, then you will be forgiven for your sins. John sets the stage for all of us to know who Jesus is, the Messiah, the one coming after him, the one so great he can't even imagine untying his shoes. The one who says, repent of your sins. Confess your sins. And you will be forgiven. Now that's a good message. But there's more, I think. John fulfills prophecy. We know that. Lots of prophecy says somebody's going to come and prepare the way for the Messiah. Somebody's going to come and get ready, get the people ready to hear the word the Messiah will bring. It's all over the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Malachi, Isaiah, Ezekiel, even Jeremiah John is prophecy fulfilled and what you know about prophets is they often get killed and so it was with John but is that the only reason he's there that and the fact that he kept saying be baptized and repent confess As I mauled this over this week, you know, I was sitting in my living room. And for the first time since I've lived in Wheeling, there's a Christmas tree in my house this year. There's a Christmas tree in my house this year that is full of presents underneath it. And some of them are for me. And it's driving me crazy that I have to wait to open them. I really thought I was a much more patient person than this week's sermon showed me, but I was sitting in the tree in the room with the tree. That night, morning, early morning, four o'clock in the morning, let the dog out. And I couldn't see where I was going. And I flipped the lights on the tree. And I could see the path. And then, because the dog wanted fed, I flipped the overhead lights on. And what do you know? Glory. My eyes were opened. I knew where everything was. I knew what direction to go. I knew what to do. John is like that. He's that little pinpoint of light in the dark and sinful world that Jesus came into. And the pinpoint of light is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it's a star over Bethlehem when Jesus arrives. John lived the life that he was called to live, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he was that little pinpoint of light that allowed the goodness of Jesus to come forth. So that's a prequel I can appreciate. Thanks be to God for John the Baptist, the one who prepares the way for us to the coming of the light of Christ. Amen.